Let's it fly. Welcome to the Seeing Red Podcast. That's right, that's right. It is another edition here of the Seeing Red Podcast. My name is Troy Moriello, and I am your host as always, bringing you up to date and up to speed on all things St. John's Basketball. And today or tonight, whenever you're listening to this, we'll be recapping another win for the Red Storm, another close win for the Red Storm, another confusing win, some may say, for the Red Storm. It's a 77-73 to win for St. John's over Butler in overtime, one of the uh, more dramatic games of the season that was kind of unnecessarily dramatic, I think some may say, in, in, this, uh, in this fan base. But it is a win for St. John's nonetheless. They get the win that they really needed to get uh, heading into a huge clash this weekend with Villanova. So the Red Storm now 18-7 and overall, 6-6 six and six in the conference at the time of this recording in sole possession of third place in the Big East right now. Uh, we will get a little bit more in depth with the game breakdown in a few minutes. We're going to talk to Brendan Myers. Uh, Brendan, we all know, not a big titles guy, but he is a, uh, a very good reporter and he does a very good job on this show uh, coming on. I think it's his fourth time on the show now. Uh, we break down the uh, game a little bit more in depth, talk about individual players, things like that, everything that you guys enjoy hearing. So that's coming up in a little bit. Uh, but first, my thoughts, you know, just my general general thoughts. I, I don't know what to say about this team anymore. I don't know how to predict how they're going to play, you know, game to game, week to week, uh, minute to minute, possession to possession. I, I don't know anymore. Uh, this has got to be one of the most streaky teams in in uh, in college basketball history, definitely in this program's history. You never know what you're going to get. And tonight was just the perfect, or yesterday was the uh, perfect encapsulation of that with the Red Storm looking so good to start the game, you know, kind of fading a little bit, looking really terrible on offense for periods. And then at the end of the day, uh, squeaking out the win, the four-point win, in overtime, uh, I've got a bunch of emotions about this game, as I'm sure uh, the uh, entire fan base does. So I'll just run through them. First is relief. You know, I am certainly relieved that the Red Storm did pull this win out because I'd much rather a frustrating, you know, uh, disappointing loss. This is kind of kind of reminiscent this game for me uh, to that Bowling Green game or to some of those, you know, crappy, uh, you know, uh, mid-major teams that they played that they kind of didn't play a great game but still got the win and, you know, it was still kind of status quo. That's what it felt like here. Um, you know, it didn't feel like they, they – it felt like they should have dominated this game uh, just by the way that the, the game was going early on. And then they kind of tailed off a little bit at the end of the game and uh, let Butler back into it, which you can't do uh, if you're going to be making, you know, a, a run in this conference, a run in the NCAA tournament. You can't let teams back in the game like they did, and they almost let Butler steal one at at the end there, but at the end of the day, I'm just relieved that it is a win. They are back to 500 in the conference now, and they get a chance to really completely, you know, punch their ticket to the NCAA tournament with a win uh, over Villanova. But you know that leads me to my 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 second uh, my second uh, uh, emotion, and that is frustration. You know, with this game, it is a it is a win. It is a nice win, but at the end of the day, I, I think it was a little bit closer than it should have been down the stretch. And if not for that foul at the end of the game, they probably don't score on that last possession and they probably lose that game in just 
terrible fashion uh, down the stretch, really playing no defense down the stretch and taking some bad shots on offense down the stretch, which is what we've seen. You know, that's been their bugaboo all season long, and and it kind of reared its ugly head in this one as well. Uh, so, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a win, yes, and I'm happy. It doesn't instill a whole lot of confidence in me, although I do think that they match up well with Villanova. This doesn't instill a whole lot of confidence in the long term for me that this team is learning from its mistakes, really. They seem to kind of, kind of continue to fall uh, back into these traps, and we're actually going to talk about the reason, you know, why that may be uh, with Brendan Myers in a few minutes, why this team continues to fall into these traps of playing iso ball and playing hero ball on offense instead of moving the ball like they were when they got out to that 13-point uh, advantage early in the game. So it is a little bit of a frustrating uh a frustrating game, a frustrating win for St. John's if there is such a thing uh, in this one. And then my final emotion, I'm just exhausted, guys. <laughs> I am I am so tired of of, uh, of these. No, I'm, I'm, I'm tired. I'm tired of just, you know, watching these games and just, you know, pouring our hearts into it. And, and, and luckily, it's been, for the most part, it's been more joy than more... Uh, and more sorrow and pain but at the end of the day you know I don't know how much this more I can do with these close games uh, I'd like to just get on a nice winning streak now stop doing the Jekyll and Hyde bullcrap start winning games consistently and you know let's go into the NCAA tournament strong because I am I'm so tired of the Jekyll and Hyde stuff you know take care of these next couple of games now please and let's please try to just win a couple of games easily because I, I can't anymore I'm so tired of playing close games and, uh, and, and you know sweating out these close game so so please St. John's and I think I speak for all the fan base you know I'm not tired of winning don't don't confuse that I'm not tired of winning but I am so tired of, of playing these games that shouldn't really be close and they end up being close uh in the end but those are my uh my three overarching emotions right now I guess you can say uh, and you know we'll, we'll see where it goes now with Villanova but um, that's coming up on Sunday coming up next though we have an interview with our guy Brendan Myers he makes like I said his fourth appearance on the show first time in a while though uh, we had him on I think we had him on uh, to start the new year and I don't think that we've had him on since then so it's been a little bit while with Brendan but we get to catch up with him and he does a great job as always breaking down the game so I hope you guys enjoy that and I will be back on the other side of this interview to to close it out. Check it out. Okay, here's Brendan Myers now uh, making, I think, his his fourth appearance onto this program. Uh, I think he retakes the lead now for a recurring guest with his fourth appearance. So, Brendan, welcome on. Feels good to be back. I think it, it's been a while since I've been on. So I guess the competition is starting to uh, get a little closer. They are, yeah. They, they caught up to you a little bit. I, I, I think you were tied with, with three, and now I, I think this puts you in the lead uh, for now. You you were, you know, one of our first guests, so so we always we always show a little bit of, of love to you whenever we can, you know? Gotcha. Never forget where you come from. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. Um, so we start with last night's game. We're recording this on uh, Wednesday. Obviously, the Red Storm, they do win in overtime. It was it 77-73? Um, I don't really know how to feel. Like, like I'm done trying to, to talk about what I think is next for this team. I'm done trying to, like, analyze this team, which I guess makes this podcast kind of pointless. But, you know, like, I'm, I'm done trying to figure out this team. Like, can, can you tell me what this team is? Like, do you have any clue? This game was a perfect metaphor for the season, wasn't mm-hmm. it? You had you had the hot start where it looked like they could run with any team in the country. They were throwing down jams. They were alley-oops all over the place. 
they were on fire from three to start out. You had the, the rough point in the middle of it mm-hmm. where it, it was kind of like, what, what's going on here? Crowd was getting a little restless. And then in the end, it wasn't pretty, but they pulled out the result they needed. And that's pretty much exactly what St. John's has done this entire season so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I was good. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> they just, they pull you back in where, you know, you're a little frustrated with them, but it's like, this team really could be something. But the key now for me is this team has been able to rebound from adversity. We've seen a couple of uh, bad losses followed up by big wins mm-hmm. by the St. John's team. But the key now is how do you respond against Nova on Sunday at the Garden? You're, there's going to be, it's going to be a packed house at Madison Square Garden. Well, but a lot of Nova fans also, it's usually a staple <laughs> when we play at Madison yeah, Square Garden. Road game. But, <laughs> You know, how can St. John's, can they string together two big wins in a row? Because we've seen this team take one step forward, two steps back this entire conference season. So I'm really looking forward to Sunday to see how this team responds. Uh, I agree, yeah. And, and I think that, you know, you know, we'll get we'll get to Sunday in a little bit. But for this game last night, yeah, you're right. It just felt like, you know, I, I don't know, those first, what, 10 minutes or so when they had, what, a 20-7 to 7 lead. They were, you know, dunking the ball. They were hitting threes. They were doing moving the ball on offense. You just it makes you wonder like where that goes and like like what is the philosophy, especially on offense, that you just stop moving the ball and you start taking these terrible shots, these turnaround jumpers, these contested shots. Like I, I'm trying to get into the philosophy of, of why they go away from moving the ball on offense. Like I don't I don't get it, you know? Yeah, well one thing we just gotta we have to make clear is Butler was a little late getting to Karnaseka Arena. Okay. So while I do St. John's I did definitely think came out of the gates hot, but you gotta figure that factored into a little bit the butler was a little slow coming out of the gates okay inside information yeah inside information <laughs> so butler's always going to be a t- butler doesn't beat themselves you know st john's could be five years from now they could be ranked number one in the country and they're always going to struggle with butler just because they don't make silly mistakes you yeah. know mm-hmm. so it wasn't a matter of if butler was going to come back in that game it was just a matter of when they were going to make the run and it was when Paul Jorgensen came off the bench and just shot lights out uh-huh. for the first few minutes he was on the floor. But yeah, I think that everybody's question is for St. John's is why does the ball go stagnant on offense? And it, it's a mystery because if we knew the answer, they wouldn't be doing it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> um, you know, we, we talk about the, uh, this game, and obviously, I said this on Twitter last night, you know, a. Uh, 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 a frustrating win where, you know, you didn't look great for a large portion of this game and you kind of took the foot off the gas, it felt like. I'd rather have a frustrating win than a terrible, heartbreaking, you know, season-altering loss. But at the end of the day, like, that game didn't instill a whole lot of confidence. I don't want to say confidence in me because I know what this team is. But, like, that game didn't really – it almost felt like a loss to me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like surviving that game. I don't know. I don't know if you feel the same way. Yeah, Mike Vaccaro from the New York Post, his column, at, he was at the game last night, and his column after was St. John's is becoming quite quite familiar with the surviving advanced games, and it's something against a team like Butler, who, again, is, is a solid Big East program, there's no mm. question, mm. but last night they were 5-6 and six in the conference heading into the game. You figure at home, and the crowd was raucous last night. They were they were cheering, they were up on their feet. It was one of the best atmospheres that I've seen in Karnaseka, and you would have thought St. John's, after that hot start, would have been able to keep control of the game but they they just let Butler creep and creep and creep mm-hmm. and then they, it, Jorgensen almost made him pay for it at the end if it wasn't for 
uh, Ponds getting fouled at the end of regulation. Butler would have stolen that game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's put that on hold because I want to talk about that last play in a second. But, you know, you talk about that, you know, taking the foot off the gas and everything. And I'm sure you saw the um, the Chris Mullen quote from yesterday. I know Zach Braziller kind of tweeted it and was saying that this isn't a very good thing for a coach to be saying that, you know, he doesn't know where this effort is and why this effort isn't always there for St. John's. Is that a coaching thing or is that just the, the guys on this team? Like, like where, where do you, where do you, where is the blame for that fall uh, for you? I think it's 50, 50. Okay. That's fair. Just because it, it's the coach's job to make sure. Uh, and it, I, when Brasiller tweets something too, it's always great to read uh, the responses to it. Cause <laughs> there's a lot of people with a lot of good points uh-huh. and people with some not so great points either, but you know, <laughs> for the most part, they're good points. Uh-huh. And you know, it's, Mullen shouldn't have to tell the players that you need to get up for these games and be ready. But it's also on Mullen to put the put the players in a position where they can thrive and they can play with energy. And, you know, we saw Mustafa Heron probably have his best performance in a St. John's uniform last night. And mm-hmm. also, that's, I think that's what fans kind of expected from Heron heading into the season, where oh, yeah. Shamori Pons could have an off game, but Heron is a very, very good player and would be able to carry the load. So that was one positive I think you could take out was that that was Mustafa Heron's most efficient game as a St. John's player. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. And... You know, you know, sticking with coaching for a second, we'll talk about that that final play out of regulation or to end regulation down by one. Um, they, they didn't get bailed out; it was a foul. But you know, the foul kind of bailed out. What was a weird offensive set with was it Clark? Was it Clark or I think it was Simon that just held the ball basically, trying to get it to Pons and couldn't get it to him, and then gets it to Pons and like it just didn't seem like there was a very good play drawn up there. That the idea was like let's just get it to Shimori and hope that he can score, which works sometimes. But I feel like I would have liked to see some sort of play be run to get him open. You know. Yeah, there was probably about two two other times in that game last night where they came out of a timeout, and it seemed like what Mullen had and St. Jean had drawn up in the in the huddle didn't go right, or the first option wasn't there, so they had to go into the second progression. But everybody kind of freezes when that first thing doesn't go their way, and it's just a little bit confusing and perplexing to see that happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and let's go back to uh, uh, Mustafa Heron. You just mentioned him. Uh, I, I think that was the best game of his St. John's career. He looked like wasn't really – I mean, I don't know about what you saw, but to me it didn't seem like he was nursing any sort of injury. I know he had that, that – uh, he had something on his leg, I think, but he looked fine to me. Um, hit eight of his 15 shots, hit 10 free throws in this game, iced the game away with those free throws at the end, uh, 28 points. I mean, you know, you know, you, you said it, but, but what more can you say about Mustafa Aaron? <laughs> Well, he said in the post-game press conference, somebody asked, like, what was, what was your mindset uh, after missing the game uh, against Providence and the uh-huh. loss? And he just comes out and he says two words. He goes, just attack. And that's really <laughs> what he did. There was probably two or three times where he caught the ball around midcourt, just put his head down, put his shoulder down. But most importantly, he was in control. You see Heron pick up a lot of silly offensive fouls because, you know, the game has definitely gotten a little soft on the defense. So when Heron extends that forearm, they've been calling that against him as a charge. So for him to keep that forearm down and able to drive efficiently, it was it was really great to see. And he shot 10 for 12 in the free throw line, really efficient, wasn't missing the free one. So it, it really was a complete performance from him. And we're not even talking about his defense. His defense mm-hmm. was great yesterday. Mm-hmm. And, and when, when he plays that kind of bully 
ball, you know, head down, go to the basket, get to the basket. You know, I, I, I'm trying to figure out how to, how to word this, you know, but I, I'm not, I'm never going to question injury. I'm sure that he was legitimately injured and that's why he didn't play. I'm not going to question that, but it makes you think that if he did play in that Providence game, maybe not the result is better, but the offensive results for St. John's are certainly, are certainly better, right? You would have to think? Yeah. I definitely think, think uh, I definitely agree with you on that. The only question would be in a in a skill set that so that so heavily relies upon explosion and being able to blow past guys. If you if you have a crippling uh, bruise on your knee, would that have been uh, limited and restricted? And would he have been able to put in a solid offensive performance? I don't know, but they couldn't have played much worse on the offensive <laughs> event on Saturday. So, you know. That's, that's Take a good, that for what you will. Yeah, no, that's that's a really good point. Yeah, and, and you know, I don't know how much he would have helped with the rebounding. He is one of the better rebounders, to be honest. But but I don't know how yeah. much he would have helped with that. So that that's a good point. Uh, moving on to Marvin Clark, uh, eighteen points from him tonight. Hit four three pointers. Uh, looked like he got a shot back a little bit. To me, I think that Clark is, is kind of the most important player for them on the offensive end because you kind of know what you're getting out of Shimori. For the most part, you know what you're getting out of out of Heron. Uh, LJ is always kind of in that, you know, 11 to 15 point range, I would say. But Clark is the guy who's really been up and down this season, uh, shooting the ball especially. I think that he's he's their most important offensive player. When he shoots the ball like he, like he was relatively shooting last night, I think that they're a much better offensive team, obviously. Yeah, I honestly think you can make an argument that he's the most important player on defense, too, because mm-hmm. if he gets in foul trouble, it really throws off the entire game plan. Oh, that, that too, yeah. I agree. So you can make, are we saying Marvin Clark's the most important player for the team? I think we are. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, he, it really has been a roller coaster ride with him. He and the one thing you got to respect about Marvin Clark is how accountable he is because he kept harping on it last night in the press conference too, where he's like, "I put Saturday's loss on me. I needed to look at myself in the mirror." And he said he credited the teammates for picking him up. And the key with Clark is he was taking good shots. Mm-hmm. You see Marvin Clark too often kind of force up, hesitate and then force up a three with a hand in his face. But most of the shots he was taking last night were open, uncontested threes. You know, he struggled a little bit towards the end of the second half, mm-hmm. and I think into overtime also. But again, he made it when he when it counted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he, he was uh, he, he was hitting those uh, like like spot up shots too. When he hits those, he, he's a he's a different player for this team. You know. Yeah, I really like Marvin Clark when he comes off the pick and pop and just the catch and shoot because that's his shot. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. He's, he's not a two dribble, uh, uh, quick iso move, catch the ball and then shoot it. He needs to catch the ball off a chest pass or a bounce pass off a screen, and that's where he's most effective. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. Now, uh, I, I had I didn't do a show over the weekend, so I didn't, I didn't really talk about the Providence game, but we saw a shot. Because we don't talk about the Providence yeah, we're, game Yeah, anymore. we're not talking about that right now. That, that's in the past, you know. Uh, we don't talk about that. But uh, Josh Roberts, he got some good minutes in that game, played well. Uh, only got a couple minutes in this game, but he did score. He, I, I like him a lot. Like, he, he he plays hard off the bench. Like, he seems like a guy that has been, like, you know, chomping at the bit to finally get in the game in meaningful games and meaningful minutes. And, like, I, I like that tenacity that he shows, you know? Yeah, it's funny because they're announcing the starting lineups and, you know, the, the starting five got the normal ovation and stuff. Mm-hmm. But then when Mullen went to his bench for the first substitution, I think 
they made it normal substitute. I think Trimble was the first player that came uh-huh. into the game, but then he threw Josh Roberts yeah. in there. Uh-huh. And when they said, now checking into the game, number one, Josh Roberts, that got a big ovation from the crowd. So it just goes to show that you're not alone in that thinking. I think a lot of people want to see Josh Roberts because it's no secret the problem with this team on defense is the front court. Yeah. So why not throw a 6'9 guy in there, see what he's got? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. I well, I think we were saying that. we we like Me and you definitely said that like in November. Like Why not just put these big bodies in there to get in the way? You know? You know? <laughs> Yeah, he's a freshman. He's going to make freshman mistakes. He's still going to learn and stuff. He's got to develop his body. But can he be worried? He's not going to hurt putting him in there. No, definitely not. And I think that was the big mystery to everybody was, why is this kid not seeing any action? He only played six minutes last night. You'd probably like to see him a little bit more. Mm -hmm. But he's making the most of his minutes right now. He fights for every offensive rebound. He's When he's trying to deny an opposing player on defense. He plays very physical, but not too much with his hands, which is an encouraging sign. Doesn't pick up a ton of stupid fouls. He picked up one or two um, against Providence, but again, you'd rather see a freshman get in there and be a little over-aggressive rather than passive. Yeah, uh, and he's got, you know, he's not going to play more than, you know, I think the max that he would play probably is about 10-15 minutes in a game. He's He's right. got five fouls to work with. <laughs> like, work with him, you right. know? Play physical if you want. <laughs> yeah, let him, let him pick up the one or two to, to help save Marvin and see for the rest of the game. Exactly. But I think, you know, Robert's emergence in these past two games, I think, is going to make people question even more why was he not playing <laughs> exactly. for the first 15, 16 games of the season? Exactly. And, um, you know, we look ahead now to, to Villanova. On uh, on Sunday at five o'clock, like you said, it's 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 not going to be a road game, but it's going to be you know a, a, probably about a sixty forty split if that uh, for St. John's. It's a, it's a tough game, obviously Villanova, but I think they kind of match up well with Villanova. You know, for for as not for as not confident that Butler game made me, I'm pretty confident that they'll at least play a close game with Villanova. You know that they had them on the ropes that first meeting. Yeah. But again, then the ball stopped moving on offense. Yep. You, you know, you let Villanova creep back and creep back and creep back. All of a sudden, you're down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And again, against well-coached teams, you know, Jay Wright, they're not going to beat themselves a lot. Like Butler, mm-hmm. you're going to have to go out there and you're going to need to put together a 40-minute game against Villanova. Any, you know, two, three-minute stretch. I mean, Gillespie has been playing well lately. He can hit you with, with a quick couple of threes. Villanova is a team that really can score in bunches, and they're starting to figure it out. This was always going to be a re, not a rebuilding year for Villanova, but a regrouping year. Mm-hmm. They're always going to need to find, you know, who was their guy and stuff. Phil Booth starting to look like himself again. So they got to, they have to be very, very careful. But I think St. John's fans can remain optimistic that they might be able to steal one against the Cats. I think so too, and I think that. They're already in in good footing for the tournament if they win the games that they're supposed to. If they beat Villanova, they're a virtual lock. But the the problem is then you can't lose you know to Xavier. You can't lose to DePaul. Like you got to be able to win these games, yeah. you know. And that that's the problem that I've had all season is that they're just. I mean, we've all had that problem all season is that they're just not building on wins like you mentioned, you know. Well, yeah, it's also frustrating because you put a lot more pressure than you need to on on yourself when you and I understand people are going to say you didn't have Heron against Providence you didn't have Pons against DePaul but when you lose those games and you lose to Georgetown at home too Mm -hmm. there's a lot more pressure on a game against Villanova and that's never a good situation to be in because (laughs) you can never reasonably expect to beat Villanova you know but you almost have to Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know and uh, but I I think that that winning this game takes a little bit of that pressure off, at least, which is a right, good thing to, sure. to not go into Villanova on a two-game losing streak. 
um uh, thanks for for coming on man i really appreciate it um i i wanted to uh to give you a chance though to uh promote yourself a little bit here because because i saw that you you've i know that you've been calling the uh the games are you the uh, are you the play-by-play or are you the color guy for for uh, wsju play-by-play you're the playoffs so you're the next uh you're the next minko john minko right <laughs> If you're we'll lucky, <laughs> but um, where can people find you on that? Where can people find your writing? Because I don't, I don't think I know. I know you're not a titles guy, but I haven't given you a chance to really, you know, shout yourself out at all. You can go to the TuneIn app or TuneIn.com. Just search WSJU. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So appreciate that, Troy. Of but course, yeah, not man. a big, not a big titles guy. I know, I know. I, I had to give you a chance though, because because I was thinking, I was like, man, I've had him on like three times, and I haven't let him like you know, talk about what he does at all. So, so I, I, I wanted to give you a chance there, you know, and, and, and I want to always thank you for coming on, man. Cause you're one of our better guests and I really appreciate it. Thank you. I really appreciate that. I appreciate coming on. It's always good to talk some St. John's basketball. Of course. For, for the good and the bad. <laughs> yeah. About 50, 50 split. Um, we'll, we'll definitely have you on man, uh, before the tournament, before the, Big East tournament, and then hopefully before the NCAA tournament, I'm, I'm I'm thinking of doing some big like mega preview for that. So we'll definitely have you on uh, in the next couple couple of weeks. You know, big things coming to the Sting Red podcast. Yes, huge things coming. <laughs> all right, all right, man. Have a uh, have a good rest of your day, and uh, talk to you soon. You too. I definitely appreciate coming on after the Big East games rather than the Loyola and the Maryland <laughs> Eastern Shores of the world. So this, this is fun. It's a lot more. It's a lot more interesting talking about this game. <laughs> a lot more to talk about with these games, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right, dude. Have a good one. All right, see you, Troy. All right, bye. <laughs> Okay, thanks again to Brendan Myers there for coming on again and uh, helping us break down St. John's and Butler. He does a great job, as always, with an in-depth breakdown of the game, of players, coaching, looking ahead. Uh, He does a really, really nice job. We always appreciate whenever Brendan can uh, come on there. You can obviously check him out. Like we said, WSJU, he also does work for the Torch as well. So um, uh, great job out of him and some good reporting out of him as well. He texted me off air. He just wanted to clarify that um, Butler had been to the arena uh, and then when they came back, they were just a few minutes later. They were not uh, late arriving to the arena, or they were not crazy late um, arriving to the arena, or drastically late arriving to the arena. So let's not uh, we we don't have to take that as a uh, a source for that uh, hot St. John start. Maybe we'll actually just give them some credit that they came out came out hot out of the gate. But thank you to Brendan for uh, for clarifying that and uh, some good reporting out of him there. And uh, you know, looking ahead now. To this weekend for the Red Storm, uh, Villanova on Sunday night at the Garden. And, you know, if you're a St. John's fan and you have tickets or you're thinking about going to this game, please go. Please go because I, I, I'm sick and tired of playing Villanova at the Garden and it being a 50 50 split or it being like 60 40 Villanova. It, it seems like a foregone conclusion at this point that they're going to invade the Garden once again and take it over. And this is going to essentially be a neutral site game. But, you know, you know, please, if you're thinking about going and you're a St. John's fan, uh, go to this game, please. And if you're a Villanova fan listening to this for some reason, uh, close your ears and don't go to the game and enjoy your national title because let us have. Have one Villanova, please. Um, but you know, it, it seems like it's going to be a neutral site game for the Red Storm. It's definitely not a must-win. It is a game that you really just want to play close. I think to, to at the end of the day, you know, the NCAA loves these net rankings now that apparently they're using for the NCAA tournament. And if you play a close game against Villanova, you probably will get rewarded or you won't get negatively impacted at all. 
Um, but I, you know, I think I speak for most fans when I say I want to win. I think I speak for all fans actually when I say I want to win in this game. Um, they match up well with Villanova. They gave Villanova a hell of a game the first time that they met. Uh, they controlled that game really the entire way through and let it let it slip away. Played kind of crappy down the stretch and uh, let it slip away. So so let's see if they've learned from their mistakes now. Let's see if they've grown as a team and let's see them close out a game against Villanova. And you know, a win in this game would make you, I think, a virtual lock for the NCAA tournament. Um, you know, if you go three and one against the top two teams in your conference, I think that you're in very, very good standing, especially when those two teams are both top 15 teams. Um, you know, and with St. John's take, you know, if you do beat Villanova, you take care of business in the games that you're supposed to like Providence at home, you take care of business in those games and you're in the NCAA tournament. But, um, it all has to start now on Sunday against Nova in what's definitely not going to be an easy game against Jay Wright's bunch but we will see uh we might be back with a breakdown of that game but more than likely we'll have an episode sometime midweek next week we're back on our normal schedule um so thank you all for listening once again i hope everyone enjoyed the uh the butler recap thanks again to brendan myers for coming on and uh we will be back next week at some point with a with a breakdown maybe of villanova maybe of uh providence next week and we will see you then so until then everyone enjoy their weekend everyone enjoy the uh sunday night start and I will talk to you guys next week. Let's go, Johnnies.